0: We have so much reason for joy, don't we? You know, because joy is not just something that comes just on a temporary basis. It's not just something that happens just because life is going good or easy right now. No, Jesus brings us joy. Because when we have a relationship with him, we know that our sins are forgiven, that we have hope, that we have joy that comes that's bigger than just any circumstance that we're currently experiencing. So whether you come in here today and you feel like, man, I'm just on top of the world, things are going so well, and I'm just so, so happy, you know, praise God, that's awesome. Or whether you come in and you say, life's been hard this year, and there's some pain, there's some hurt. Regardless of where you come in, we can find joy that is brought by Jesus, the Savior of the world. The one who's come, whose presence that we celebrate, Emmanuel. God with us. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills, and we're just so excited to be able to worship Jesus with you both today throughout this Christmas season. Uh, We're we're praying that uh, God would be laying people on your heart to be inviting to come to church with you both now and on Christmas Eve. We're just going to have an awesome celebration of Jesus' birth and to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here, and we're so excited to be able to do that. In the series, we're talking about light, and you know, lights are one of the coolest parts of the Christmas season. We love them. They're beautiful. You see them all around town. Maybe they're on your home. You see them at Coney Island. We see them all over the place, right? We have a lot of lights, and it's a celebration of the fact that Jesus is the light of the world, that when Jesus came, he brought light into the darkness, and so we're going to look today at some verses from John chapter three that talk about this light. Uh, but I want to give you a little context first. It's actually a really appropriate uh, section to talk about light because it begins with a contrast. It begins in the darkness. There's this guy. Verse one says, "This was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus." Rabbi, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Okay, so we've got Nicodemus. He, he comes here at night to Jesus. Now, you might not know this, but the early church, you know, they knew he was Nicodemus. They knew he came to Jesus at night. So he was known as Nick at night. And <laughs> All right, I, I don't know. It's, it's a start, right? So Nicodemus, he he comes to Jesus in the night and it makes us wonder like why would he do that? Right? Like why would why would he do that? And some people have thought that maybe he was scared of what other people would think of him. That was possible. Uh, but maybe he just came to Jesus at night because he knew that Jesus would, have, would not be distracted by others and he could have Jesus' total attention. Regardless, he was serious about this. Uh, people didn't usually travel at night then, uh, wasn't the safest, they didn't have a whole lot of streetlights at that time, and so he was, he, he, he was very serious about getting to see Jesus, getting to talk to Jesus. So he says that we know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence. Now, it's interesting because Nicodemus is a Pharisee, and you might remember a few things about them. They were folks who were, we kind of get after them because they were legalistic, right? Like God had given his laws. And then the Pharisees, they made a whole bunch of other laws around God's laws so that in order to, like, actually break God's law, you'd have to break a bunch of these, like, boundary laws first, right? They, they, I know, they sound like the life of the party, right? They, they were kind of legalists, and, and so they get a bad rap sometimes for this, but it is, it's a fact that they really took their faith very seriously. I mean, when it came to Judaism, these guys are like the varsity team here, right? I mean, they are serious as serious can be. To become a Pharisee, you had to pass a rigorous amount of testing, right? And so they were very, very serious about their faith, and Nicodemus he sees something in Jesus that is real, that is powerful. He comes to Jesus. He's like, hey, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a Pharisee, right? I, I teach this stuff, and I teach a class on miracles. You actually do miracles. We should talk, right? I want to get to know you. I want to get to understand this better. Like, we know that you're sent from God because you do miracles. That's awesome. Now, one of the things about Jesus that I think is so interesting is that Jesus is not really that into compliments, it seems, right? Because usually when somebody gives him a compliment, he he just kind of brushes it off, which I guess that makes sense when you're like, all-powerful or something, right? I mean, what was it like when Jesus was a teenager in the carpentry shop, right? And he makes this great chair, and somebody comes in, they're like, Jesus, awesome job on that chair. He's like, well, I am like eternally coexistent with the Father. I was there at creation. I made trees, so I guess, you know. But, but Jesus is, he, he doesn't really even listen to this. He kind of blows it off. He says in verse 3, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. No time to talk about the compliment. Nicodemus, here's the deal. I'm just going to cut to the chase. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. This is not what Nicodemus was expecting, okay? This is not the response that he was expecting from Jesus. Here, Nicodemus, he's a Pharisee. We learn in other verses he was also somebody who was part of the Jewish uh, ruling council. Like, there was like 71 of them. They're kind of like the Supreme Court of Jewish law. He'll be referred to by Jesus as a teacher of Israel, okay? So he's a big timer here, okay? And Jesus just says, look, Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, we're used to this reborn kind of term. If you've been around the church, we, we, we kind of have our own language sometimes, and so we're used to that. But imagine what this was like for, for Nicodemus when Jesus said this. I'm pretty sure that he gave Jesus a, a look kind of like this, right? <laughs> what are you talking about? Reborn? <laughs> reborn. Like, what, what, what does that even mean, Jesus? Uh, yeah, so I, I've i got to be reborn. I, imagine how this would have gone. Like, Nicodemus, he, he leaves Jesus' presence, right, you know, and he's like, hey, mom, it's Nick. Um, yeah, you're pretty good, pretty good. Funny thing, I met Jesus today. Yeah, I know, I know, that's awesome. Well, well Here's the thing. He's got, he says that if, if I don't want to go to hell, that I have to be reborn. I know. I tried to tell him that too. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how the geometry works, but I, tell dad I'm sorry. I, I don't know what to tell you. Okay, bye. Like, reborn? That doesn't even make sense. Nicodemus says, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? <laughs> Jesus has a way of getting our attention. And, of course, he's speaking in a metaphor here. He continues, verse, verse 5. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. Oh, well, that clears it up, right? (laughs) Water in the Spirit, what does this mean? Uh, Theologians debate around this. Some people think it refers to, like, uh, uh, born of water referring to, like, physical birth, right? Like, a a woman's water breaks, and then the other is spiritual rebirth We give her life to Jesus. I... I don't think that's it. I don't think Jesus is trying to go like all OBGYN on us here. Um, But I think it's more just talking about baptism by water and and, and the, the the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our life. And I think that makes sense because in the very next verse, he says this, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Now, here's a metaphor that makes a little more sense, right? Billy Graham, when he famously said that you can't see the wind. You can see the effects of the wind, but you can't see the wind. However, you know that it's real. Nobody doubts that the wind is real because we see its effects. We we know this from yesterday where we saw the horrible tragedy in Kentucky where tornadoes ripped through and (coughs) caused so, (coughs) so much damage. And... And this is a serious thing, and we we want to keep our friends in Kentucky in our prayers. Who knows? Maybe we'll have the chance to be able to help out someday. But the Holy Spirit is different, different than that kind of wind. It's not a destructive force. No, it's a a life-giving source. And we know that the Spirit is moving because we see the the effects of the Spirit moving. But the thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is not predictable. It's not controllable by human beings. It's the power of God. It's the power of God moving in and moving through us, right? And, and Jesus says that we have to be born of this, that we have to be filled with this power of this Holy Spirit who changes us. Jesus is really clear here. You can't be, enter the kingdom of heaven without being born again. We call that conversion, I mean, you can't try to, like, earn God's favor on your own. It's not like, oh, I'll just have my, my goods outweigh my bads, and then things will be good. I'll be fine. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll make it into heaven because I'm, I'm better than average, right? No, God's standard is his holiness, and we all fall a long way short of that. And so it's not just a matter of trying to be better. It's, it's not just a matter of hanging out with the right people. You know, maybe you were raised by some awesome parents. That's great. Praise God. But it's got to be your decision. It's got to be your faith in God. And it's not just about being a nice person. Being a nice person is good. It's a valuable thing. But Jesus calls us to something more. It's not just a matter of like, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't date the girls who do, right? Like, (laughs) that's cute. But that doesn't get you in. It, Jesus says to to like the most holy guy in Israel. Jesus says, "You must be born again." If it was true for Nicodemus, it's certainly true for us. It's certainly true for us. It's got to be a personal decision. If if we skip down. A few verses uh, here, we're going to go to the, the very favorite verse of that crazy guy in the end zone at football games, right? John three sixteen, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him should not perish, but will have eternal life. Then he continues, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. This is, it's incredible, incredible news. Jesus, the light of the world has arrived, and and his light transforms you and me. When we ask Jesus into our lives, when we are born again, metaphorically, that, that his light transforms us. We can be free from the chains of sin. We can be free from the chains of addiction. We can be free from the chains of pride. We can be given a new reason for hope. We can be given a new meaning in life. Jesus offers salvation. And, And it's not just for us. A lot of religions teach that God loves us and our little group here. But that's not Christians. No, it says that God so loved the world the world. Jesus is not just for a select group of us. He's given for everybody. His sacrifice is for everybody, the whole world. He's he's inclusive of everybody, every, every tribe, every nation, every person, everyone. Jesus gave his life so that we could know him, so that we can have a relationship with him. And you can be free. You can be free from condemnation, Again, verse 17, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. We know about judgment and condemnation, and maybe others have looked at you and, and have judged you. They don't, they don't understand you. They don't know your heart, but they got a lot of judgments about you. Or maybe you yourself, you know all the stuff you've done, and you look at your own life and you say, man, I'm I'm a failure. I'm I'm ashamed. I'm I'm embarrassed. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. That's light. That's light in the darkness. That's light that pierces the darkness of judgment, of shame. Don't buy into Satan's lie that you're a failure that you're hopeless, or that God can't use you. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. Jesus gave his life for you, not because you earned it, but because he loves you, because our God loves you, because your life matters so much that our God would come down from heaven, live here on this earth, and give his life as the perfect sacrifice for your sin. It's the most incredible gift ever. It's like, say you you got caught speeding, right? And you get pulled over, and the officer comes up, and you're busted, writes you a ticket, gives you the ticket, and says, now here's the deal. You got to go to the courthouse, and a fine has to be paid. But I'm feeling nice today. So if you show up at the courthouse, I'm going to show up too, and I'm going to pay your fine for you you just got to come, and you got to receive it. That's not a normal experience, is it? We'd say, what is wrong with you? Why would you do that? Why would you do that for me, right? But that's kind of what Jesus did. Like, our sins, yeah, we're, we're busted. We, we're, God is holy. I'm not holy. And, and yet, God paid the price. And I just have to say, yes, I receive it. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I want to walk in your light. I want to walk in your light. It's just the best news ever. But here's the thing. God knows us and he knows how we are sometime. And in the midst of all this good news, Jesus drops some heavy stuff on us here. Verse 19, he says, this is the verdict. Life has come into the world, but... People love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come to the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. What a tragedy. The light is here, and his name is Jesus. He offers forgiveness and healing and hope. But we often choose to stay in the darkness. Why? The darkness doesn't call you to change. The darkness doesn't challenge you. The darkness doesn't ask anything different of you. You can stay in the darkness and today will look a lot like yesterday and the day before and the day before and the day before. And you know it's not God's best, but it seems easier. I'll get to that Jesus stuff later. You know, when, when I'm old, when I'm retired, when I got time, I'll, I'll get to that stuff then. I'm just going to stay in the darkness now. You can keep doing evil in the darkness, and nobody's going to bother you. They did a study back in 2010 about the effects of darkness on our behavior, and it was really interesting. What the researchers did was they, they gathered a group together, uh, of uh, 20 people, and they, they brought them into a room, and they had them all take this. Actually, I don't know how many people. It was 20 questions. Sorry, 20 questions on a test. They had them take this test with 20 questions on it, right? They're sitting in a room. It was nice and bright like a classroom, and they take this test, and then they give them an answer key and an envelope with money in it, and that you are, every person was to grade their own test, and for every right answer out of the 20, you give yourself 50 cents. If you get it wrong, you don't get anything on that question, right? And so, so they did this. And you, so you take the test, you score yourself, you pay yourself, you get up and you leave. You leave the test there. Out of, out of the people who took that, what percentage of the people do you think cheated? Any guesses? Anybody? 50? I think I heard 20. That's actually the right answer. 20% cheated which is kind of funny because the total, total prize was 10 bucks, right? You're cheating for 10 bucks, so some pastor can talk about you someday and shame you, right? Like, <laughs> So in broad daylight, 20% of the people, they cheat. Then they, they brought in another test group, and they did the exact same test, except this time they turned the lights down real low. So you could see the test, you could read it, but, but it was pretty dim, probably kind of like this room, right? Okay, how many people, what percentage do you think cheated then? Any guesses? 50? 100%. We've got some cynics in the room. We've, 60% cheated. Triple, triple the number of people cheated just simply because it was dimly lit. And they thought, huh, I can get away with it. I can profit like eight bucks more than I would have got off this stupid test, right? Because I'm not good at it. So, triple the number of people. You see, darkness... When we're living in the darkness, we fall into the myth that what we do doesn't matter, that we're unaccountable, that doesn't hurt anybody, so whatever. What was that word, John? People love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does the evil hates the light and some, will, some will, not co- or, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. The Bible's truth is timeless. You know, maybe for some of us, we'd say, if I'm honest, I'm living in some darkness now, that when I think I can get away with it, I do it. Maybe you'd say, yeah, cheated on my taxes, or when I get that expense account report, I fudge some numbers on it, or I'm not really honest when I think that I won't get busted. Or maybe, maybe you cheat on your spouse. Or maybe you cheat time at work and you slack off when you're supposed to be doing stuff. Or maybe whatever it is. When it feels darker around, when people aren't going to notice, are you different? Are you different? And for many of us, we know there's a better way. We know that Jesus is calling us to step into the light, but maybe we're just scared. How will I get out of this darkness? I've been living in it for a long time. Can I really be any different? What, what if I like the darkness better than I like the light? What if it costs too much to stop? You know, this morning, I believe that God, through the power of His Holy Spirit, is, is shining a a ray of darkness, or sorry, a ray of light into your darkness, a ray of light into to the darkness of, of our sin, that as we hear God's Word, as we hear these words that Jesus spoke a, a long time ago to a man whose holiness would put any of us to shame, as we hear these words, we're challenged. We're invited, in fact. We're invited to, to change to take our shame and to trade it for freedom. To take our guilt and to trade it for peace. To take our, our self-hatred and trade it for love. Verse 21. But whoever, comes, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. So that it may be seen plainly that what they have done is, has been done in the sight of God. I like that. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so it may be be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. That when you realize God's love for you, when you realize God's acceptance of you, when you realize that this is not about how good you are, it's about how great Jesus' gift is, and that you can trust in him for your salvation, that you can say, Jesus, would you come into my heart? I need you. I need your healing touch. I need your forgiveness. I've been trying to do this on my own, and it's not working. I find myself racked with guilt and shame and pain. I want to try your way. I want to give my life to you because I realize that your way is the best way that you created me, that and so I want to live in the light. I want to live in the light that you have given to me. You see. When when you give your life to Jesus, you you want to celebrate the light. You know that Jesus has changed your life, and so now living in the light is a great thing because it's not about you; it's about Jesus works in you. But but you'll have a new confidence, you'll have a new boldness, you'll have a new a, a new way of living. Because you recognize that God's work in you is so powerful and that God has changed you and that God has made you into something so much better than you could have been on your own. When you do that, you want to live in the light. It's like up here on our our platform. We have these great musicians who come up here and and they sing and they play and and they do so under the lights, not because they're arrogant, but because they've got a gift and God has called them to use it. And, and they do, and it, and it brings each of us into God's presence as they do this. They, they, they know that they've got this gift, and so they're not afraid to stand up in the light because it's God's gift and, and they want it to shine for Him. I, on the other hand, am not a musician. I have zero musical ability, right? And I remember um, this was the first week when we were when we were starting the, the shutdown with COVID. I was at my last church. And we, like every other church in America, were desperately trying to figure out our live stream, right? And so I was there one night, it was band practice. I was trying to help get a camera working, right? So I was, as they were practicing, I was up there on the stage working with this camera. And, I, and I'm singing along with them. I love the song, and it was just touching me as I was working, and I'm singing it. And um, of course, they can't hear it because the sound system's on. Well, we had this new girl in the band, and she sees me singing, and uh, she looks, she is, the song stops, and she, she looks over, and she says, John, I want you to take this microphone, and I want you to sing this one with me. And I got a look of absolute terror on my face. I don't know exactly what I looked like, But all the rest of the band began to laugh hysterically at that moment, and she's like, what's the problem? (laughs) And they're like, he can't sing at all. (laughs) You don't want that to happen, right? Because I like to sing in the darkness. I like to sing over there. You're not going to catch me singing up here in the light with a microphone, right? Because I know when it comes to singing, that's not my gift, right? But those who have that ability, they want it to be seen. And you see, when you give your life to Jesus, you get a whole new confidence in the way that you live. Because you realize it's not about you, it's about Jesus. And Jesus has called you to this. And so you're not living in the dark anymore. You're not ashamed of who you are. No, you're here in the light. And Jesus calls you. He invites you to this light. When you're confident in your deeds, you want to do them in the light. And I'm inviting you to give your life to Jesus so that you can walk in that light. That light changes you. That light gives you a new hope. It gives you a new freedom. It gives you a new life in Jesus Christ. Yesterday was a hard day. Yesterday we we came into this room and and we celebrated the life of a guy named Brock. 17-year-old student at Anderson High School, and, and Brock had taken his life, and our, fa- our, our, our church family and our community came together to mourn his loss, his family's loss, and our loss. I, I've done more of those kind of funerals than I want to talk about over the past 18, 20 years. And every time that I stand up in one of those services, I feel a a sadness. Because I look out and I see a, a full room. We were standing room only in here yesterday. All the chairs we could possibly pack in. And then we were in the sanctuary as well. We had a whole bunch of people there. And then we had people live streaming of course as well. And I'm so sad because I look out And I see all these people who love this guy, who would have done absolutely anything to be there for him. Yet, just days earlier, he felt such darkness around him that he took his life. It's always the same story. There's always so many more people who care than what you know. Your life always matters so much more than what you know. This guy was a good guy. He was popular. He was loved by students, by adults, by little ones. He was was just a model kid in a lot of ways. And if you're here today and you're in some darkness, I just want you to know that there's hope, that there's light, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And I get that there's pain and there's difficulty in this world, I get it. But Jesus offers you light. He calls you into the light. I invite you to come out of the darkness. And to step into his light. So I'm going to pray, and I just want to invite you to, to pray right along with me where you're at. And we're going to have prayer partners up here. You might come forward either in the in the song or after the service. You might pray with them. Whether you're giving your life to Jesus, that's awesome. Or whether you got something else you want to pray about, please, we want to pray for you. Yesterday, we got to pray for a whole bunch of students. We had to pray for students in this room. We had people praying for students in bathrooms. It was all over the place, right? God is moving, and, and he wants to move in your heart. So So Jesus... We need you. This world feels really dark sometimes and painful. And we need the light of your love. I mess a lot of things up and I just, I just, I need your forgiveness. I need your love. I need your sacrifice to pay the price for my sins. So Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you change me? Would you forgive me? I want to live in your light. I want to stop living in darkness. Jesus, I just pray that for all of us that you'd help us to walk in that light, the light that only you give. For God, you are good and we thank you and we praise you. We love you and pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.